But the schedule changes weekly, daily, minutely sometimes. Uh, we have, Lord willing, next week we'll have another Romans uh, round. Uh, early in chapter 15 is where we hope to get. If we get aggressive today and get through chapter 14, then um, the, the week, uh, many of us are going to be gone for Black Mountain. That week, I think we'll have the other Sunday school, but not this one. Um, I think that's the plan on, on um, the 12th of March. And then on the 19th, we'll have one more last uh, round in Romans. And then after that, Lord willing, start the Providence series on the 26th. And so uh, um, that's the plan. Um, and um, boy, it's been, it's going to be a tear in the eye to not, not be able to look at Romans uh, every week. We have sure been appreciative of your um, great input and uh, Papa and Josh and Carter and Grant. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for all the hours uh, you guys have invested in um, learning and, and growing in this and teaching it and, and uh, enjoying it. And Josh going to read for us uh, chapter 14. 1 to 23, and then give us a little bit of an introduction. Let me pray, and, uh, and we'll let the fun begin. Father, I'm so grateful. What a great passage on learning to uh, love each other better. Uh, the weaker brother, the stronger brother, we've probably been each. Um, and we know that there are uh, those um, in our church, in every church, that uh, would fall into these categories today. Lord, we pray that we would be less uh, judgmental. Um, as we leave, that we would be more accepting. Um, we would leave the judging to you and uh, that we would learn and grow um, from this fantastic passage of how to love each other um, in a better way, how to not get um, uh, maybe so consumed with the trivial, but to keep our eyes and minds and hearts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Pray for uh, Mark and uh, Greg and um, the big room as they are uh, talking about important issues. We pray for uh, Leah and uh, Taylor as they get to teach the little guys. We pray for the, the guys in Philippians um, today uh, with the Junior Bro Bible and that those guys would continue to grow. And for uh, Miss Karen and Rachel as they uh, lead the young ladies, we commit um, this time to you and especially for Scott as he uh, teaches later on on uh, this fantastic passage that has just become the way he operates um, in the end of, of Matthew 6. Lord, um, you're so gracious to us. We're so, are so grateful for your word, and uh, we commit um, this Sunday to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Josh? All right, Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. <clears throat> who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. 
So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So I want to just hit a few points of introduction before we really dive in. Of course, we've been continuing this theme that started back in chapter 12 of how a Christian is to live in light of the gospel. And um, we looked at different relationships in the Christian life, and here today we're talking about the weak in faith versus uh, the strong in faith and how they are to interact and coexist in the church. And some of the themes that Paul's already mentioned that I think would be good to keep in mind is this idea of letting love be genuine and uh, being transformed by the renewal of our mind and not to think too highly of ourselves. And really the theme, when you think about chapter 14, would be, broadly speaking, this idea of Christian liberty and how we are to conduct ourselves in light of our freedom in Christ. And uh, it can be difficult to apply, and we certainly want to avoid, on the one hand, the error uh, to take advantage of our Christian liberty and flaunt that and try and coax the weaker in faith to do something that would go against their conscience. But then on the other side, um, become legalists and elevate tradition to the level of the divine mandate exceeding scriptural bounds. So we want to avoid those, those two twin uh, errors. And really the issues for the Roman church here in chapter 14 come down to these uh, these couple. You have food, and I think Papa's going to walk through those, and then you have the issue of certain days being esteemed over others, and then a little bit at the end, the issue of wine or drink. But really the main two are about food and holy days. Um, and then you have these two groups divided on these issues, the strong and the weak. The weak, uh, when it came to food, ate only vegetables, and it was the strong who ate all things. 
and it was the weak who celebrated these holy days, and the strong saw no distinction between the days. Good. There were some uh, pretty neat insights, I thought, from uh, from Stott, from some other uh, guys on, on this. And uh, Josh, thanks for helping us here. 1415 um, is kind of the idea here that nothing is unclean in itself, um, but to un anyone who thinks it's unclean, for your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So that's the idea. How do we walk in love? I thought it's pretty neat, and, and just to start us, um, to think this was uh, Andrew David and Nacelli gave question, uh, Christians five questions that they should ask. And uh, I like these little summaries like this. Number one, does the Bible allow it? Most importantly, number two, does my conscience allow it? Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, boy, 23 is a great one, 1423 on that. Number three, what's the effect on other Christians? Even if the Bible allows it and my conscience allows it, will it have hinder somebody else? Any other believer? Number four, what's the effect on non-believers? I think that's important. And number five, what's the effect on my own spiritual life? So, Nacelli says that uh, 14, 1 to fifteen thirteen is really one literary unit. And it has four parts. Number one through 12 here, we're to welcome one another, 13 to 23, the strong Christian should um, not cause the brother or sister to stumble. We'll talk about a lot about that today. 15, 1 to 6, the strong Christians to build up the brother or sister. And then 15, 7 to 13, both the Jews and the Gentiles are to give glory to God. So Paul addressed this topic, like you heard when uh, Mark, um, Scott was, uh, not Mark or Scott, but Josh was uh, reading, mixing you up with the... Uh, with those two right there. The weak and the strong, right? So those are the categories that, um, and I thought Josh Roy explained it well. Sometimes this has been slippery to me. When we're in chapter 14 in Romans at, at school, um, which won't be till probably April or May, we sometimes it's a little bit like, man, how do you describe that? And so this was, I thought this uh, was helpful to me. Stott put it like this. He said, it's important to be clear from the outset that Paul is referring to a weakness Neither of character, uh, neither of will nor of character, but of faith. Cranfield adds that it is a weakness in assurance that one's faith permits one to do certain things. And another writer said it's a conviction that is theologically incorrect, but not heretical. Okay, so the weak here have a theologically incorrect conviction. But it's not a heretical conviction. It's not against something. So here's what we're not saying. There are so many things that are really black and white in Scripture, aren't they? We're not talking about here uh, whether uh, sexual immorality is all right. There's not to be a hint of sexual immorality, Ephesians 5.3. That's very cut and dried. Okay, so this is the, these are more, I, people have called them gray areas, whatever you would, uh, however you would say that. So, um, this weak one uh, spoken of here is a sensitive Christian full of indecision and scruples. That was a uh, thought. They don't lack self-control. They just lack liberty um, in their conscience. And so, Papa, would you think that maybe the Jewish believers here were going back to some of their old Jewish roots and that's why they may have been the weaker believer 
And the Gentile believers that have just become believers as Gentiles, they didn't have any old traditions except just plain sin, I guess. So they maybe weren't hung up with uh, some of the regulations that the Jewish believers, is that simplifying uh, these groups a little too much? No, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on. And actually, I think this has more ap- application, in my opinion anyway, first century than necessarily always today. But because when you really think about Judaism and, and the law and the feast and the festivals and the, it, it, it's complicated, it's complex. Um, and and that, that, well, that was Paul's struggles all through you know, his ministry was mm-hmm. the Judaizers accusing him Shoo, boy. of liberty. And, yeah, and, no, and we don't and, run into the exact same today, do right. we, on that? Right, and, and um, it, 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 it's, it's very similar to perhaps uh, if you've had an experience with a Roman Catholic who, who had a history, was brought up in the Roman Catholic Church, and then you tried to present uh, the gospel of justification by faith, that type thing. They're so grounded in their uh, tradition, mm-hmm. I guess, that they, they, they can't let go of it, really. And it's, it really becomes a stumbling block for them mm-hmm. and, and, and just accepting the grace of the gospel. Well, that's good. Yeah, no, that's a good example. Josh, how about verse 1? Yeah, verse 1. <clears throat> uh, as for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him. I'm going to just pause right there. We... To understand this verse, I think first you have to define the weak. Jerry did that extremely well. I'm going to just hit a few high points so we understand. So we look through the rest of the passage. Who is the weak in faith? And um, this is the person who has a shallow knowledge. Uh, They're not as well taught. It's not that they're holding to um, a a, a heretical position. Um, But nonetheless, it is incorrect. And so to be weak in faith is not referring to, to saving faith, but as Jerry mentioned, it's the confidence a person has in their conscience to do a particular activity. Here would be eating meat uh, or celebrating certain days of the week. Um, and and it's the, you could put it like this. The weak are those who fear to make use of some good gift God has given to mankind and to the church. Um, and so this is kind of the person that we're looking at with weak. As Jerry mentioned, it's the you, you might picture the vulnerable Christian, not the vulnerable Christian, easily overcome by temptation, but one full of indecision uh, and scruples. So it's not a weakness in self-control, but a, but a liberty of conscience. Um, so how are how is the Roman Church to treat this person? And Paul says that they are to welcome him. And I think this is getting at the idea that. Um, it, it's, it's not just a mere toleration, but it's a warm acceptance. It's an eager acceptance. It's not a putting this person at an arm's distance, waiting until they change their mind or opinion, and then warmly accepting them. It's an it's a eager welcoming of this person. It, it's the opposite of despising or passing judgment. Um, it's, it's showing this type of genuine Christian love that Paul has been, been getting at. And... You know, it's, it, it's kind of like, the, in my opinion, it's kind of like discipleship. 
you, you meet someone who's perhaps a new Christian or hasn't been taught, and and you know it, it you very carefully and and um, um, open the word and, and, and teach the word and answer questions and deal questions, and it, it takes a while to 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 take hold I guess and and to uh, for the for the light to to come in, but it happens. But it takes a lot of patience on the part of the discipler, I think, sometimes. Uh, not, not that they're weak, they just haven't been taught. And, 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 and if you're patient and use the Word and the Spirit, it, it opens their eyes. You know, it happens. And, and we need to do that regardless of where we are on this Yeah, spectrum. for sure. I think as you look at this passage, the temptations are different, aren't they? For the weak brother, the temptation would be to look and to say, wait a second, how are they, whatever it is, using their freedom in a way that's not right. And, and they can be um, judgmental of the strong brother. For the strong brother or sister, they can look at the weak brother and they can kind of despise him and just say, and they can make him stumble. That's the huge issue coming up here soon. So there's, the temptations are different, and uh, I was just thinking back in my life, I think I've been both, and I think I am now in some areas. Probably the weaker brother in some areas, probably the stronger brother in other areas, and um, you know, and, and I just don't know that there's two Christians that are always gonna see exactly eye to eye on all of these areas, and, but the big thing, and boy, did we face it in uh, through COVID, didn't we? You know, this is a passage we went through a lot. As do you wear elders. a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you Ooh, show up? Man. Do you not show up? Do yeah. you do Zoom? You... Uh, uh, right. There was all of these questions that weren't exactly mandated in Scripture that we were trying to trying to work through. But but I love the idea here that Paul, and this is no surprise, is to say, wait a second here. Let's not get caught up in something that's a little bit nitpicky. Let's go to the big matter. Are you truly loving your brother and sister as it should be? That is the big thing. And uh, and then, and, and Paul was the best at this. Like when you're in Rome, do like the Romans, right? He was quick to say, if it's going to make somebody stumble, even if I have that freedom, I'm just not going to do it. And I thought, uh, what a good, you know, there's so much humility. He's asking the, both the weak brother and the strong brother to have a great amount of humility in how they uh, react with each other. Josh, what, what's your other thoughts here going? Yeah, one more thought. The, so Paul is saying to welcome the weak brother, not quarrel over opinions. And then he'll go and give what I would call the theological underpinnings for this. And he mentions a couple things, and I just want to mention them here briefly, but the reason why the, the strong welcome the weak brother, you look at verse 3, he says, um, God has welcomed him. The strong welcome the weak because God has welcomed him. Uh, verse 4, it is before the Lord that each person must stand. And that's uh, our second reason why the strong welcome the weak. And then, uh, verse 6, it is to the Lord that each person eats or abstains. And then all the way down in verse 15, the weak is the one that Christ died for. 
uh, Doriani said it like this, God welcomes sinners and mediocre theologians by grace, and so should we. (laughs) I really like that quote. Because we're all mediocre. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Maybe at best, right? Look at that. Let me read 5 to uh, 9 one more time. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it it in honor of the Lord. And that's, remember, that's the idea. How do we best honor the Lord? The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So both of them are honoring the Lord in, in what they uh, believe to do is right. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Do you not love verse 7? In that fantastic verse, none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Pop, I want your thoughts on this, but this is, again, the idea that we're not to get nitpicky about the debatable matters, but instead, we live for the Lord. We are the Lord's. It just makes sense. And uh, Josh, I'd love you pointing us back to verse 3 to say, how can we not be welcoming when God's welcoming? I think sometimes we almost get this idea, well, God's not quite strict. I'm going to have to uh, show that person who's boss because God's a little too lenient. Right, that we would never want to do that. We would want to say, wait a second, if the Lord's welcoming, we're still the shepherd, we're still to come alongside Papa, like you said, disciple, and uh, and Papa's sort of our poster child, poster grandpa, in helping us know how to uh, disciple and how to come alongside and not look down upon or not judge but to just come alongside and, and, and help grow. And then people's ideas can change. Well, you know, Augustine made a big deal of, of um, thir- in the end of 13, but, but that, particularly that last verse, 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And anything that we do, weak or strong, in the flesh, we're, we're just, we're out for ourselves. We're not... Um, but we're not supposed to make any provision. Uh, and put on the Lord Jesus. I mean, put on I, the Lord Jesus. He, he's always, you know, putting on, taking off, putting on. So put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision. There is no doubt, Papa, here that the idea is that we shouldn't think of ourselves first in this whole thing. Absolutely. And how many times has Paul written about that? And we can go, we can really go back, couldn't we, to chapter 12, verse 3 kind of at the beginning of this discussion on, like uh, Josh said, how should we then live? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I think we're seeing that in practice here. Anything from five to uh, nine there, Josh, that uh, hit the spot for you? 10 through 12 are interesting too. Yeah, I just want to mention this real quick. Verse 5. Let me get to it here. Verse 5. 
Paul says one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And so when I think about the second half of that phrase, and I think I've heard Mark talk about this a little bit, this idea of each person should be fully convinced in his own mind, Paul is saying that uh, we should strive for certainty in some of these great areas. We shouldn't just kind of step back and you know, give vent to intellectual laziness or think, well, the experts can't agree on this. There's no way I can. I think Paul is, is pushing the Romans here to, to think through these things and, and uh, ap- apply scripture and theology to help them think through this issue of the days and of the meats. And in the same way, in these great areas, whether it be alcohol, tattoos, homeschooling, you know, the whole gamut to... Um, to be uh, downright biblical and apply theology in a robust way and be convinced and try to aim mm-hmm. for a certainty, but uh, combined with humility before the Lord. <laughs> I like that. It certainly doesn't mean that our conscience is always right, does it? That We're not saying, I think that would be arrogant to say, oh my, I can go by my conscience because my conscience is always right. That wouldn't be right, but... We should never go against our conscience. If our conscience is strongly in that, and again, we get to that clear at the end of this in 23, if it's not from faith, it's sin. And I shouldn't try to push someone else to go against their conscience. If it's clearly in Scripture, that's a whole different thing. Then we, then we have a theological debate. But at this point, these are just areas that, that people would disagree that are not as clear um, in scripture and so when we get to 11 and 12 i love this the lord's gonna judge perfectly so you know what that frees us to do we don't have to judge god is going to take care of uh that and what i also love is he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus so he's gonna help sanctify whoever it is that we're working with he's going to help sanctify our brother and sister so i don't have to take that upon myself either or you or you or any of us and so i i love the freedom that it gives us not to look down on anybody in this you know not to despise anybody um and i think these are pretty convicting verses why verse 10 why do you pass judgment on your brother or why do you despise your brother for we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us will give account of himself to God. I think next week marks in that chapter 7, 1 to 5, right? Taking the speck out of our own eye before we, uh, uh, looking at, before we take the speck out of someone else's eye, kind of remembering that we've got the log in our own eye. And so um, that's going to be a fantastic sermon um, in, in this idea of not being too quick to judge. And I just love the, don't you guys love the freedom there? It's, it's, oh, it's wide open. I mean, go, I go back to verse 1 and 14. One, the one who's weak in faith, welcome them, but not to quarrel over opinions. That, that's it, sit right there. Don't, don't yeah. quarrel. And don't you think another thing we could go back to chapter 13 where we were last week, we really don't have time to quarrel about the little stuff, right? Remember the urgency that we're in? Most of it's little stuff. Yeah, and most of it did maybe. Yeah, 11. Besides this, you know the time, the hour has come to you to wake up from your sleep, 
For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarrelsome and jealousy. We're not to be all quarrelsome and jealous of each other. We don't have time for that anymore. The day of salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. But put on, this is what Papa is talking about, Paul in the, in the language that he uses often, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. And that's um, as Paul always does in Romans. And that's one of the reasons I just love this book. The, the, the argument is thorough and it's, um, and he keeps, and it's so logical and he keeps coming back to it and he puts us a little bit in a corner to say I have no business to be judgmental nor to like uh, Josh started us with to flaunt my freedoms uh, even if it's biblical to be free Josh you have something um, how about reading 13 to, to 19 and let's take a little feast on that 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. <clears throat> so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual <clears throat> upbuilding. Yep. Anything that you saw in that, in that, Papa? <laughs> I was thinking about Daniel, and you remember when he asked, um, I guess his, I forgot the exact term, but early in Daniel when he asked his um, supervisor or overseer, you know, to eat vegetables. And he, he gave a rational, and he actually negotiated. He said, well, you know, if, if we're not better and than, than the other group, then, then okay. But... And so he didn't argue that point, but he was making a point that they had a diet and was trying to maintain their their Jewishness, and distinctives in Babylon. And the way he did it was winsome, and he accomplished in the end what what he rather than argue or quarrel over whether this is right or this is wrong. Um, and 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 we should do the same. Um, you 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 guys of all different ages and different backgrounds but you know we've all been in churches where someone will come in well in, in my church this is what I was told and this is, a, this is the way you know in my tradition and that type thing well show me in the book you know yeah the objective truth not to go by my Mennonite heritage? Is that what you're saying, Papa? <laughs> now, Jerry, I won't go talk about your Mennonite heritage. Yeah, yeah. But you want to talk about your Mennonite? Oh man, we were the we were the weaker brother in a number of areas. I can <laughs> say that. I can say that for sure. It, you know, and I and I find myself still kind of thinking like that in in some ways, and uh, and I've ne- me- needed 
many of stronger brother to um, not like you know persuade me to go against my conscience as hopefully my conscience becomes more biblical if it wasn't but um, but we all so so we really kind of all flip flop between stronger brother and weaker brother sometimes in some areas and, mm-hmm. in some areas but but I, my uh, it's been helpful for me to just always rely on objective truth what what the Bible says rather than how I feel um, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus Amen yeah that's no, great that verse 13 don't pass judgment on one another um, rather and don't put a stumbling block or hindrance and once again that's showing great humility um, verse 19 another one to just take to the bank and, and put it to memory so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let's pursue what makes peace. I have loved that about North Avenue. It's the peace I believe that there is in, in our members to be able to love each other and to be able to en- enjoy each other and on their differences to still talk about things and, and to uh, enjoy the growth and, and the debate, if you will, but not in a judgmental matter or not in a way that would um, cause someone to go against their their conscience. Um, and I, and I, I just know, and again, now I'm going back to my Mennonite roots for sure. There were people in, the, in our church that my dad would say his dad was a, my grandpa was the moderator. And he said they would have people come over to their house. I guess we're talking probably 1940s and 50s. And there was generations of hard feelings that uh, had gone. Really? Yeah, and it was a sad thing to me. And my dad said it was sad to him too that that families would come in and they wouldn't agree and they would try to they would try to see eye to eye. And that's the kind of operation here that we're supposed to stay away from. That as believers, that would give a horrible testimony to anybody outside the church. And it's certainly not encouraging to those um, that are inside. Anything else from 13 to 19, Joshua, you have there? I just think in light of the principle of um, regarding our brother, weaker brother, as one for whom Christ has died, it should lend itself to a a great sensitivity, I guess, in, in terms of, not putting a, a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother because they're a person that Christ has died for. Wow. <clears throat> that is a really that sort of good personalizes it, doesn't it? Yeah. Verse 15. That is, that is really good. How could we destroy the one for whom Christ has died? That is a very, very convicting thought there. Papa, could you read 20? Uh, to 23 yet. Yes, um, yes, sir. I'm being glad to. Thanks. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. We're talking about stumbling blocks now. The faith that you have Keep between yourself and God. Blessed be the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever 
<coughs> has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin yeah that's pretty convicting it is convicting yeah and and it's tempting for us uh when we're the stronger brother and it's tempting they have a different group of temptations josh anything there i don't have anything there good papa anything else no i i think that this little chart put up here was from christopher ash and a lot of these things uh, don't necessarily apply this is I think in this, they applied in the first century and don't necessarily apply today. But, you know, for those strong in the faith, they're, they're, they have freedom in Christ. And so they can eat any food. Uh, Acts 10, Peter, the sheep comes down and says, take and eat. And, and he, of course, he initially rejected that. And, and, uh, but, but we are free. We have a freedom in Christ. And, 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 and we're also free from the Jewish calendar. I mean, I, th- I think I was had this discussion with Linda recently, and you know we have a incredible heritage in Judaism, and, and Christ Christ was a Jew, and and we have the feast and the festivals and all, of the, but all pointed towards Christ, and and uh, I, I don't know what your experience with with uh, messianic congregations are, but you know some of them are really pretty pretty really open to the gospel and, and fervent and then there's some that are just a little bit legalistic that want to push the Jewishness element as, as necessary almost like circumcision you know you've got in order to not circumcision but similar to that as a but but we are free from that that calendar I mean it's great to study the, the history and the tradition and and uh, and then the weakened faith they not grasp the implications of the freedom that they have. There's no unclean food. Now, you know, there's tons of dietary restrictions today that I never heard of before. Um, you know, they're vegans and all kinds of different choices that people make because of health concerns and that kind of thing. That that type of stuff's okay, but we shouldn't judge people for that type of thing. And, and uh, uh, the weakened faith, we're, we're tied, I assume this is, you know, First century Christian uh, Jews were tied to the calendar. I mean, that was their their life. I mean, um, in in Israel today, you can go and if you uh, if, if there's a restaurant on the twelfth floor of the hotel on Shabbat, you can get on that elevator and you don't touch anything. And then man, the doors close after so many seconds because I guess they they can tell somebody's on there. And it goes up to the twelfth floor, and you you can go to the restaurant. And you don't have to press buttons because that would be violating the Sabbath. So that's the extent. And Jerusalem kind of shuts down during Shabbat, and because of you know these same two thousand years later or three or whatever. So um, we just we've got such great freedom in Christ, and that's almost just to say that is is. It's like delivery, redemption. Yeah, great freedom. I'd like to point us to one more thing, and uh, and this has got me more today looking at it than uh, than it did studying about it. Is back to verse fifteen, just kind of closes here. The word destroy, and uh, well, it's a powerful word. Um, do not destroy. The one from whom Christ died. Josh, thanks for bringing that out. 
do not destroy the one from whom Christ died. Papa's completely right. We have quite a freedom, but to flaunt that freedom would be to destroy somebody for whom Christ died. And look at the same word in verse 20. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. And he used to say very practically again, how could we have a food debate that would hurt somebody um, that Christ died for? That would hurt the work of God that, that God's doing in their life. And then we start debating about food or uh, like in 2020, it was all kinds of other things. Um, there's probably always going to be these sort of debates different than, than the one we have here. And then finally, um, verse 23, I think to close this, and uh, and might just kind of read the first few verses of chapter 15 to close us today uh, in, in what we have to look forward to for next week. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because if he's uh, because the eating is not from faith. For whoever does not proceed from faith is sin. So at the end of this small section here, he is saying, he is, I think, begging the Roman Christians, don't go against your conscience. Even if someone else is maybe has a different sort of freedom than you do, if it's not from faith, it's sin. It's sin to you. Is it sin to everybody? It might not be. Now, this is where this is a little hard for me because I really like the black and white. I really like it where it's this is and this isn't. But on this one, uh, if it is going against your conscience, then please don't do that. Then it's sin to you. Now, if someone else kind of is persuasive and you see, wait a second, I really do have freedom in that then that would not be sin but and, and again once again we just so that we are not teaching something that's unbiblical here we're not talking about things that are specifically um prohibited in scripture or things that are pro specifically allowed in scripture we're talking about things that are um debatable that people would have different um ideas on any Final thoughts here. I thought this quote from Calvin summed up, you know, if you wanted to take away one principle, this might be a good spot to kind of land on. But Calvin put it like this, Those who are strong should spend their labor in assisting the weak, and those who have made the greatest advances should bear with the more ignorant. For God, by making us stronger than others, does not bestow strength that we may oppress the weak. Mm. And so it seems like the passage is guarding the strong from trying to convince the weak to sin against their own conscience when they've made up in their mind that to do a certain thing is sin. He's saying the strong ought not to do that. Instead, they should bear with the weak, uh, possibly instruct their conscience, but never encouraging them to sin. <clears throat> I like that. Um, you know, Calvin and Luther both were pastors, and, and they, they really had a heart for their flock, and, and, and they wanted to, to help them. And, and they were concerned that their, their, uh, their congregations were being taken advantage of by the church, and so they, they wanted to teach them. That's why Luther came up with the the small and the larger catechism so to, to teach 
man on the street who didn't have the um, education and background what the Bible said, and, and, and so, um, and, and Calvin was the same way. Yep, really good. Well, just kind of to whet our appetite for next week, please, if you get a chance to read chapter 15 and think about it a little bit, look for two things, that we're to glorify our Lord and where our hope should be. To glorify our Lord and hope. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. I love that. Remember now with our case about our fifth obligation that we're to have in Romans. And one of those is to, to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. So That's Christ's right. our example. That's so good. For, for whatever is written in former <clears throat> days was written for our instruction and through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomes you for the glory of God. So everything's for the glory of God. I think if we remember that, we're a little bit quicker to not be judgmental or to not be um, condemning, maybe to look down upon somebody um, in the in the whole picture there. Papa, would you pray for us that uh, these things would take root and we would grow and be convicted in these areas? Thank you, Jerry. Father God, uh, thank you for this time in, in uh, Romans 14, and, and thank you for these convicting verses that we shouldn't quarrel over opinions, and, 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 and the real uh, meat there in 15 that um, uh, don't destroy the one for whom Christ died. Uh, that is so convicting uh, in, in, my, in my own heart and, and uh, over some opinion, over some issue. Uh, whether it be strong or, or, or weak. Uh, Lord, um, you considered it uh, um, not appropriate to, to claim the, the, your rightful deity and humbled yourself and became obedient to death and even the death on the cross that you might save us. And, and the least we could do would be to humble ourselves and and to come alongside a weaker brother and to shepherd them and to uh, nurture them and to help them uh, and glorify you in the process. Uh, thank you for this time and thank you, Father. Pray for the service ahead and, and, and the, the worship, the singing, the, uh, the music, uh, that you would be glorified and, and you would be honored and praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, so much. Please pray for Scott. He's talking about uh, this fantastic.